In this episode, industry insiders sharing their thoughts on the future of travel, how the backpacking sector has been affected by COVID-19, and what is Airbnb doing to encourage connection? Welcome to the new World Nomads podcast. We'll be keeping you up to date with travel alert and sharing some uplifting news and views to inspire you and keep you smiling. Welcome to our special COVID-19 podcast, hearing your stories, headlines and insight into when the travel industry will recover and what it will look like. And for this episode, we have a special guest host, Cassie Wilkins. Now, what have you done with Phil, Cassie? He's uh, tucked up safely inside his pillow fort for a couple of days. <laughs> nice one. Now, before we get into hearing more about you, who we have chatted to on the podcast before, let's take a look at some of the headlines surrounding COVID-19. And it was very sadly announced last week that Lonely Planet will close most of its operations in Melbourne and London as the company deals with the impacts of the virus. Have you written for them? I have not. They were always on my dream list um, and I've wrote, had a couple of pitches ready to go, but No, unfortunately not. I'm not sure what's going to happen with their online stuff. I think they're kind of tailoring back freelance content, but hopefully there'll still be possibilities in the future because I think travel content, people are kind of bouncing back and wanting to read things too. Exactly. So what have you got headlines wise? Airline companies in Sweden and the United Kingdom are encouraging flight attendants to retrain to help hospitals with the coronavirus crisis. And Airbnb has unveiled virtual travel experiences where they pair local hosts from more than 30 countries with consumers. So they're doing things like sheep meditation in Scotland and all sorts of kind of interesting things that you can do now. Yeah, I saw that. I was interested in the flamenco for about five seconds when I realised I'd probably last for five seconds. This idea of kind of bringing Zoom and these um, like Skype calls into travel experiences and pairing new people around the world because one of the beauty of tra- one of the best things about traveling is meeting other people and connecting with other people around the world so I think it's actually a really good idea. Yeah I think it's great and we'll share a link in show notes. As China lifts travel restrictions a survey across a hundred cities in China has found that people would rather travel domestically than overseas which is not ideal globally because many travel agencies, hotels, shops and guides around the world rely on Chinese travelers and we will chat about the future of travel later in the episode but let's get to you tell us about yourself um okay so i was a travel agent in the uk i worked for sga travel and spent a couple of years planning around the world trips and then i got fed up of booking everyone else on these amazing trips so i decided back in 2013 that i was gonna uh, book myself a one-way ticket and i ended up in asia for nearly four years living in cambodia on a beach which was incredible Then I spent uh, six months road tripping across America, a month in Canada. I worked in disaster relief after the earthquake in Nepal. And then I've spent the last couple of, well, the last year in Australia. Fantastic. Well, you've been great at putting me in touch with um, a lot of the people in your community. So what are they talking about? Everyone right now is... So the travel writing community has obviously taken a big hit. People aren't commissioning new articles. People aren't, um, a lot of the editorial teams of the big travel writing companies have been laid off as well. So the freelancers don't have much, um, much going on. There's a lot of people kind of, um, wanting articles about Corona and how that's affected travel and how that's affecting different people in the same way that we're talking to people or you're talking to people on the podcast about how, their stories, how it's affected them and stuff, because it's so relevant. I think people want that sort of content. But in terms of the other content, the dreamy, the trip planning, the 
this is how you do it kind of content. Everything's taken a bit of a backseat. We had an episode last week that featured uh, Zoran from Croatia, who is in the travel sector. And he said, when we start traveling again, people are more than ever going to be driven by the prevention emotions of safety and security. And these are direct quotes. It might be a while before people really kind of go out exploring the world as they did before. What would your reaction to that be? I think in places like Croatia um, and Europe, it's going to be different because people can get in their cars and drive. Um, So if you live in Europe, then you can drive to other places and then you don't have to be on planes, which I think a lot of people are scared of flying right now because it's quite anxiety inducing being in a big metal can flying through the sky, which could be full of germs and other people, you know? So I think people, if they're in their own cars or even if they can travel in trains and things. So Europe will probably experience it a bit differently to everywhere else. I think it's going to take a long time before things kind of pushback. Like Zoran was saying, I think business travel will definitely come back first, especially to places like China, who've started opening their borders again, and people are traveling more freely around China now. Um, But in terms of the rest of the world and this sort of leisure travel and things, I think things are going to be quite different. And it will probably be more long-term trips rather than short-term trips. I don't think people will be flying as much for a week here, there or everywhere as they used to. Well, we've seen in a very short time, and there has been a lot of discussion before coronavirus on you know, climate change, and we have seen in a very short time that stopping us from moving has had an incredible impact. There's less seismic activity. Uh, we speak a lot about the canals in Venice returning to pure water full of fish and, and dolphins. There are animals coming into the towns like monkeys, deer. In, you know, even in London, there was a street where there were 20-odd deer, you know, right, right in the middle yeah. of London. And, you know, and it's only been at the time of recording, you know, a, a, f- a few months or a couple of months, really. So it's I feel like the best thing to kind of compare it to is Chernobyl after the accident there when they just kind of shut everything down. And within weeks and months, the whole sort of place was like back to nature and the trees were growing and everything was kind of happening. And like, it just kind of nature reclaiming. And I think there's a lot of places like that in the world, which are really beautiful. And a lot of people have wanted to travel there just to kind of see nature fighting back. So I think we're seeing that on a smaller scale now, but it's just as impressive. Over the last couple of years, personally, I've been trying to fly less, like one international flight a year or something, um, and travel overland as much as possible as well. Before all of this kind of happened, I was planning on making my way back to the UK overland um, on a big road trip from Australia to to the UK, but um, that's not really in the cards anymore. But um, yeah, I think that kind of, there will be more of a push for overland travel, for long-term travel, for less uh, short-haul flights. What about a push for people to explore their own countries before exploring others? Oh, I think that too, definitely. And the fact that people are stuck inside right now in a lot of places, I mean, the UK personally, that's where my family is. There's a lot of kind of frustration about being cooped up and people just want to be able to go for a walk and explore their immediate area. So I think there's going to be a big kind of push on people enjoying being out in nature. And I think there will be more of a balance between working all the time and then coming home and sitting in front of the TV. You might kind of make room and make time to go for a walk on your lunch break or drive down to the beach or to a forest or somewhere and just kind of have that, that enjoyment of your local area too. 
Well, Paul Mitchinson, who Cassie happens to know, has, like many people in the industry, found himself redundant. Hey, Paul. Hey, how you doing? And Cassie too. You know each other well. Yeah. (laughs) We go back a long time. Well, a while back, we uh, started our little travel careers together. Oh, many moons ago back in little Sheffield in the UK. Well, who would have thought then that you'd be talking about a virus that would bring the world to a standstill, Paul? (laughs) What's happened with you? Um, So my kind of background is that I've been in sort of heavily involved in the sort of the domestic travel market, working for a retail agency. And obviously the the situation in, in Australia specifically, really obviously horrible bushfire situation, which caused a lot of businesses to really struggle to then to then have that second punch of the, the dreaded coronavirus. So it's it's had a knock-on effect where myself and I think the, the running totals potentially into the millions of people who have lost their jobs or been um, stood down. I, I unfortunately was one of the ones who kind of actually got redund- made redundant. I don't like using the word because it seems to be the, the word of our generation alone, unprecedented, but it, it is, it's very, a situation none of us have been in before. What exactly were you doing before you were made redundant? Yeah, so I was working for a company called um, Imperium Tourism Holdings. So they, I was head of sales for Australia and New Zealand for their retail network. So we had 50 retail stores across Australia and New Zealand, um, predominantly selling to, to backpackers. However, we did, you know, we catered to everybody, anyone and everybody who was wanting to travel in Australia. And uh, we were Australia's biggest um, sort of backpacker-focused um, tourism brand. We also have a tech company called Website Travel, which is a, a booking platform for agencies and um, tour operators to use. We had a couple of hostels up the East Coast, um, and we had a couple of touring companies at like Fraser Island and um, another company called Adventure, Tour- Adventure Tours Australia, actually we recently acquired off Intrepid. So I was leading up the, um, the retail and online sort of call center business. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was my role. Um, how I got into that, I, actually, I was actually SDA and that's where me and Cassie know each other from. So I was um, SDA for nine, nine and a half nine and a bit years it was uh, and been in Australia for five five and a half of those how's SDA going um, similar to kind of your other kind of big retail brand they've now closed globally all of their retail stores um, I mean yeah again a, a business that's heavily I mean heavily heavily focused on international travel and with international travel grinding to a halt does it make your tummy slightly turn um it does for me because i think it's it's one of those situations that we all like to think we travel all the time but realistically most people who are in full-time jobs only go on holiday maybe once or if you're lucky twice a year um but being told that you physically can't go is slightly a different uh, situation you know it's not as if we're all planning to leave immediately but the fact that you don't know when you can actually leave a country is is quite a bit of a when you're reading all these headlines every day, like Australia might have to keep its borders closed until 2021, and then other people are like, oh, maybe it'll be like 18 months, two years before you can travel internationally again. So, And that's just Australia. Obviously, it's quite different for the rest of the yeah, world. Yeah, well. and, and, and it makes sense, to be honest. Like, Even if Australia 
say, for example, we come out of this in a couple of months and we start to ease our, our lockdown, risk opening up their borders until they know that the virus is under control or, or, or cure. And that's the, that's the realistic thing is that domestic will see a surge and I'm more than confident of that be up before international. And, and as we're looking at overseas travel, we have had discussions with uh, or journalists recently who said that firstly the business sector will recover and then luxury travel because they're the people that have got the money. What do you think about the backpacker sector, the the sector that you're involved in? Will that be the uh, last to recover? Um, it's, it's, it's a very tough one. And this is one thing that I, I'm, I did mention before. I'm also on a sort of a, a local Victorian committee, which is called Adventure Stores in Victoria. And that's, with, that's one of our focuses is generally around that market. And that's our, what we've kind of written to our local um, government officials is what, what are the long-term plans? How can we actually entice people to come back? And that's, well, there's I mean, also no jobs for the ones who are still here now. Correct, so yeah. Over here in Western Australia, there's a lot of problems with people that are sort of, they've got their vans, they don't have any money, they don't have any jobs, and they don't, and now because they've closed down all the regions, they can't even travel. Like they're making some exceptions for work, but you still have to quarantine for two weeks when you get somewhere before you can start working. Yeah, that's so, a tough thing. Um, the, we have made progress in that, like you said, um, they're allowing your backpackers to go work on the farms because one we need it for the economy as well these farms which they rely on their international workforce every year have you know a massive drop in um employees uh, or employees sorry and it's going to have a long-term effect on the economy and food sources as well so the government have opened that up again um but like you said they have to go into two um two week quarantine at the farm and also there is a little asterisk in there as well that the farm also has to offer safe accommodation it, the tough thing is, is how one how can we protect the backpackers in, in the country right now but also how can we attract them back again so the, there's a bit of a um i suppose movement for giving people free visas to return again um or what is our long-term strategy and what's the morale like Ooh, it's, I think I think most from what I know is that I, I actually think the majority of the backpackers have left and there's lots of repatriation flights still happening you know the, we've seen world first you know direct flights from Vienna to Sydney with no stops and uh, Munich to Sydney with no stops there's been kind of these repatriation flights that are continuing to um, fly into Australia to get people out but I think looking at it do they do these backpackers see it as you know have i just wasted a, a year of my you know of my my backpacking am i just squandering all this hard money that i've saved up for years to go traveling and then there is a, there is a small number of backpackers that are still working and they're you know i suppose they're in a situation where they can support themselves but um it's not really a backpacking lifestyle having to one you're locked into a hostel potentially you can't leave the hostel you can't work my probably advice is unless you can support yourself i would probably go i would probably go home and that would be my advice um, that's the advice of the government here as well it is yeah it is yeah it's going to be very very interesting when travel and the world gets back to normal and in closing cassie when do you think that will be in going by your, your gut reaction i don't think it will be normal again as to what it was before i think the travel industry will bounce back and there's a lot of desire for it. But like we mentioned with the Airbnb experiences and things, I think travel 
could take a very different approach for the next little bit and even down the line with the sort of virtual travel and virtual reality experiences. Pauls? Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with Cassie. I, I don't think what is normal travel will, I don't think will return for a long time, years. Um, I think how we travel and, and what we're seeing is how, how can these companies adapt? Um, and that's the biggest thing is you've got a lot of hostels, tour operators, travel agencies, and they, right now they need to be thinking how they can adapt for what is to come, I suppose, even though it's a bit of an unknown, really going to have to look at how they can pivot their business to actually stay afloat. You said the word, you said it. I was going to say the new buzzword is pivoting. Uh, Pivoting, yeah. (laughs) Well, guys, thank you so much, both Paul and Cassie. Really appreciate your insight. And if you have a story to tell or insight into the travel industry, please email podcast at worldnomads.com. And next time we're chatting to a popular blogger, who is recovering from coronavirus. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye-bye. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.